God, we ask that Your words come to life in us today. That You would speak Your hard truths to us in a way that we can hear and receive them. May we hear Your call and respond with our, our entire life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, just like last week, we gave you an opportunity for an easy way out. Today, we would like to pre pre uh, provide for you another advertising uh, scheme that might help you with presence at church. So just take a look on your screen. Nobody got it. Well, if you were here last week, some of you may not recognize the fact that we lost Billy last week in the last advertisement because he killed y'all. Did y'all get that? Anyway, sorry. Now, my, my recommendation, I know you're maybe tired of the pastor droning on and on and you don't like necessarily listening to him, but um, I'd recommend you not purchase that item, but that's just me. So, um, wouldn't it be nice... 
Wouldn't it be nice, I'm sure the disciples felt the same way after Jesus said the words that he just said to them in the scripture that we read. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just say, oh, we'll take the easy way out, Jesus. We'll act like we're here, but we'll not really be here. You can have our bodies, but our souls, our minds, everything else is going to be somewhere else. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to sit at church and not, uh, you know, everybody could see, oh, they're doing their duty, they're here, but not be here, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Now, y'all don't lie. Some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, I would, but I'm not going to raise my hand. I think as I looked at the disciples in this particular passage, I'm sure they were wishing, maybe they had already wished this before, but they were wishing the very first time possibly that they might have chosen a different route. That maybe this wasn't going to be as pleasant and fun as they thought it might be. Yes, he might be the Messiah, but oh my goodness, what is this man talking about? It says at the very beginning of this scripture, it says, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone. Well, I thought, well, what's he telling people not to tell people? And it was this. That was right after the moment when Peter makes the confession that Jesus is the Messiah. It's right after the discussion they have with the disciples when he says, who do people say that I am? Some people say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others say this. And he asks them point blank, right, looking them right in the face, who do you say I am? And Peter, as a representative disciple, says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus immediately, after saying, you know, you have stated it correctly, says, don't tell anybody. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? You're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're the one that's going to deliver us from, from uh, our captivity that we are currently in. You are the one that is going to rescue all of Israel. You're the one that is going to make all things right. What do you mean, don't tell anybody? And Jesus simply said, don't tell anybody. Now, I think that was because he knew what was coming. And if the news got out too quickly, we would have gotten to uh, Good Friday and Easter a little too fast. So he said, no, let's wait. Give it time. Let it settle. Let it ruminate a little bit. Don't tell anybody. But then he says to them, the Son of Man... The one you have just named as the Messiah. The one who will make the world right. The one who is going to rescue Israel. The one who is the promised one who is going to do all that God has said He would do. Is going to suffer. He's not only going to suffer, He's going to be rejected by the leaders of God's people. Yes, He's the one who's going to save God's people, but the people, the leaders of God's people are going to say He's not the one. He's, he's telling lies. He comes from the evil one. They're going to say all kinds of slanderous things about Him, and He is going to suffer, and He is not going to be popular with, at the time, I would say, the church. The general population that would show up at the synagogue and listen to the teachings, even the greatest leaders, the greatest minds, the ones who were leading God's people, the ones who stood possibly in the place I stand, would look at him and say, nope, don't think so. 
He said, I will, not only be, I will not only suffer, I will be rejected by the leaders, by the teachers, by everyone who says they know. But I will also be killed. At that moment, after hearing the confession of who Jesus would be, he said to those who were going to follow him, you need to understand, guys, that this story, it ends in Jerusalem at a cross. It ends in Jerusalem with me dying. It ends with the most horrific uh, time that you can imagine, a sight that we have no concept of in this world right now, of the flogging and the beating and the, and the name-calling and the humility and the, the fact that He hung on a cross. We have, it's very nice. We're going to celebrate communion today, but it is very sterile compared to what happened to Jesus. He said at the very end this little phrase, but I always love Jesus' buts because they always bring something good. But I will be raised on the third day. There's the promise. This promise after this understanding of all that would happen they they probably didn't know obviously they didn't know how horrific and all of the things that Jesus would suffer but he would say to them it's going to end in Jerusalem with my death now how many of you at that moment are going to be sign me up sign me up Jesus I want to follow you all the way there man I am buddy buddy with you let's walk let's go let's do it how many of you are there anybody in the room got a few got a few Sign me up. I will follow you all the way to the cross. And Jesus says, all right, well, let's count the cost. Now, a few years ago, uh, and part of the reason we are doing this, this series called C90X is because I have found uh, a truth of God through the back door, I guess is what I would say, is uh, the good things in life come when you work hard at it. When you become almost, and we don't like this term these days, but when you become almost radical about certain things. Wendy and I a few years ago took uh, Financial Peace University. Any of you all familiar with that? Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. Maybe you know Dave Ramsey from the radio. He's a little radical. I mean, he's talking cutting up credit cards and uh, throwing them in the trash, getting rid of all that stuff. Uh, you know, drink water at, at uh, every meal. Don't worry about Cokes and all those things. In fact, just don't even think about going out to eat. No, he's not that bad. But he, he just, he, he, it's radical. It's like you cut way back. You budget, you plan, you count the cost, you do everything that you need to in order to get yourself out of debt and not only get yourself out of debt, but also make your life a little better by saving up money, giving to the church, giving to uh, other places that need your money. It, it was a change for us. And when Wendy and I first got married, we knew we had debt. And we said for, I don't know, how many years was it, honey? Ten? Was it ten years before we took financial peace? No, how many years was it? Seven? I don't know. Around seven. Let's say seven. We kept saying, we need to get out of debt. Uh-huh. We really need to get out of debt. Uh-huh. No, no, we need to get out of debt. Uh-huh. We'd talk, yeah, we need to get out of debt. Yep, we sure do. Uh-huh, that's right, we do. And we did absolutely nothing 
We just hoped that the debt fairy would come and take it away. Because we made no life change. We didn't change anything. Then we took this class. We sat down, I think, for probably the very first time. We looked at our budget. Oh my goodness. We actually made a budget. We made a plan and we did it. It was, it was different behavior. We had to change. Now here's Jesus. And folks, I want us to all hear this. Jesus becomes Dave Ramsey just a little bit for us in this moment. He says to his disciples, you need to count the cost. You need to make a budget. You need to make a plan. You need to figure out what it is going to mean in your life to follow me. He says, if anybody wants to follow me, he must deny himself. Now folks, I don't know about you and I may get in trouble today and you can throw rocks at me later. But that hits at the core of the, of the American dream. It hits at the core of who America tells us we should be. Look out for number one. Make sure I am taken care of. You can't love anybody else until you love yourself. There's some truth to that, but sometimes we take it a little too far. It's all about me. And Jesus says, uh-uh. If you want to follow me, it's about denying yourself. <sighs> all right, Jesus. Let me prepare for this. Let me see if I can handle that. But then he follows it up with one more thing. You not only need to deny yourself, but you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. Whoa. Wait a minute. If I'm standing there as a disciple and he's saying, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die, and then he says to me, you need to take, take up the, the torture device of the day and follow me, I'm thinking again about whether I really truly want to follow this Jesus. You know, I signed up for a Messiah who was going to change my life, make things all better, and you're talking about, I'm going to have to die to follow you? I'm going to have to give up everything that I may want and dream of to follow you? You mean it's actually going to take sacrifice, God, to be a follower of yours? Yep. Now, we like Jesus... We like the idea of Jesus being our Savior and that is a beautiful, wonderful story and the absolute truth about who He is. He died on the cross before we could do anything for Him. He gave us life before we could respond to Him. He gave us an opportunity to be forgiven and have a relationship, be in the presence of God Almighty before we could do anything for Him. And He offers that. And many of us may partake in that even today to say Jesus Christ is my Savior. But what Jesus is talking about right here is are you going to allow me to be your Lord? Because having me in the presence of your life will mean there are going to be times that I'm going to ask you to sacrifice. I'm going to ask you to give up yourself. I'm going to ask you to give up all your stuff. I'm going to ask you to give up your relationships. I'm going to ask you to give up this stuff for me. You're going to have to sacrifice and follow. Lose your life. If you go out through, throughout the book of Luke, and folks, Luke is not an easy book. I told you, this was Jesus bringing it. I mean, he, he's not messing around when he talks to the disciples in Luke. Other people later on say, God, I want to be in your presence. I want to follow you. But first... Let me go home and bury my father. Jesus says, let the bury, dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. God, I need to go home and take care of this. No. If you're going to follow me, the one who follows me doesn't hold on to the plow and look backwards. Jesus, what about my family? 
your family is me now. If you don't love me so much that the love you have for your spouse, your children, and all of the people that are dear to you in your life looks like hate, then you're not ready. Having Jesus' presence in our lives is a beautiful and wonderful thing, but it will cost us something. Because Jesus doesn't just change us and make us fireproof. He doesn't just change us so that we miss this eternity without God. He changes us so that we make an impact in this world and we truly become His followers today. And we choose to make ourselves present to this one who says he is going to die. Now, I know this may be a bummer. But all I know to do is preach to you what I see in the words of God. But the greatest gift we have is to be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. And we also have a group of people in this room. I want you to look to your left. I want you to look to your right. I know you just saw the back of somebody's head. But just say, some, say this for me. You are a beautiful creation of God. We are saved by a mighty God and He invites us into His presence, but He also invites us to be in the presence of each other. And so folks, I'm going to take a little time and talk about being in presence of others as Jesus calls us to be in the presence of them. How about love your neighbor as yourself? You know the story of the Good Samaritan, the one who gave up time, the one who gave up treasure, the one who gave up everything, the least likely to be the one to stop and help the, the Samaritan who was hurt, or, or the, per, the Jewish person that was hurt. He stopped, he helped him, he even paid for his hotel being present with your neighbor when they need it. This is another one. Jesus says, confess your sins one to another. Uh-oh. Now, Jesus, you've gone to meddling. Because, heck, if I'm going to sit in a small group and tell people my dirty laundry, I'm not going there. I like them. Don't get me wrong. They're nice. They're sweet. I like to get a hug from them every once in a while. But don't ask me to be real. But Jesus says, you want to be in the presence of God, you be in the presence of my body, of Christ, that lives in this world, in this time. It means forgiving one another. Even when we just can't stand whatever the other person has done, it means we've got to look them in the eye. And at some time, even before we may be able to stay it with the depth of our heart, we say, I forgive you. Until God works that out in us. We rebuke one another. Now that's another fun one. How many of you all want to sign up for that, that job? Lisa, of course you would. She likes doing that. Here, let me tell you. Come here. We stand toe-to-toe, -to -toe, knee to knee, look at each other in the eye and say, you know, if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to wreck your life. That's what it means to be present in the body of Christ. It means we're vulnerable. Guys, I know you hate that. Some of you women hate that. Vulnerable? What do you mean vulnerable? I don't want to be laid bare in front of everybody, but Jesus says if you want your life to change, if you truly want to be present with me in this life and be present with my body, then you're vulnerable. 
You let people see who you are. And lastly, and absolutely my favorite, there's another passage of Scripture, and the best way I can describe it is we become the dispensers of God's grace. You know when the doctor writes you a prescription, right? And you take the prescription to the pharmacy, and they fill it, and they give it to you? All right, Jesus is the doctor. He's written the script. We're the pharmacy. We are the dispensers of God's grace. We are the ones that pour out the grace of Jesus Christ into each other by being around each other, by caring for each other, by being in small group, by being in this place on Sunday morning and worshiping, by taking time out of our busy schedule to pray for those who are in need. We are the dispensers of God's holy grace. And then Jesus gets to the end of this passage. And he offers a promise. He says, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Now I've always wondered, what in the world is he talking about? Because nothing happens. Well, actually, something does happen right after that. Jesus and a few of his buddies, two or three of them are up on a mountain, and God shows up. Not in a small way, but in a major way. God shows up. Jesus starts glowing. Elisha and Moses, I think. That's right. Yeah, shake your head if you're helping me out. Thank you, Steve. Are there with him. All the disciples are going, man, this is cool. Some of them want to put up a tent and say, man, let's just stay here. This is awesome. This is the good stuff. This is the touchy-feely. Man, I know God is right here. Oh, this is what I wanted it for. This is why I'm with you, Jesus. Let's stay right here. Oh, and Jesus says, nope. We've got to go back down into the valley. But he fulfilled his promise. Those, some of those that were standing right there that he has said all of us are going to have to die got to see the glory of God even for a moment. They felt the goodness of who God is and they chose to go down the mountain. They chose to follow Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. They saw him beaten, battered, and bruised for our sins, for their sins. And they followed him anyway. Sure, they had bobbles along the way. And folks, I don't want you to hear me say that you have to be perfect when you follow Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But we have to choose to say from this day forward, we are going to follow Jesus with a life-altering intensity. We are going to choose not to be another church that's on the corner that comes and likes to do a few songs on Sunday morning, hear a guy kind of talk about a few things, and then walk out of here and nothing changes. We are going to be a church that says we will count the cost. We will do what it takes. We will be with each other until each and every one of us is living a different life, changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and looking forward to His coming glory on this earth. We will grab a hold of each other's hands and we will walk together to Jerusalem paying the cost no matter what it is. Because we so desperately long and want to be in the presence of Jesus Christ that we will do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Now the incredible and beautiful and wonderful thing today for me. It may not be the transfiguration of God on that mountain, 
but today we stand in the presence of Jesus Christ and he offers his body to us once again once for all we re-participate in the act of uh, sacrifice that Jesus gave to us that day on the cross and we follow him and his promise is that he would be here and be present with us and he is that night he took the bread he blessed it he broke it he gave thanks to God and he said to his disciples take eat this is my body broken for you when you take it remember me then he took the cup and he said to all those gathered there, he raised the cup, he thanked God. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would rest upon us gathered here that you would rest upon these gifts of bread and juice and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, redeemed, that we might be the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood. Make us one with each other. Make us one with you. Allow us to go into ministry to all the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are helping with communion this morning, if you would come. As they come, I want to remind everyone who is here, this table is open. No one is denied. If you come seeking Jesus Christ this day, you are welcome to come to this table. And so we invite you to come and participate and partake of the body and the blood. As you come to communion... I would encourage you to go ahead and bring your commitment card for being in the presence of God and being in the presence of others in this community. As you come, lay your card on the altar and then you can partake of communion immediately after. Okay? Is that clear for everybody? All right. Jack, the body of Christ broken for you.
when you are ready, when you are ready to receive the grace of Jesus Christ and say to Him, I will follow, no matter the cost. Please come.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, fellowship and presence of His Holy Spirit in your life, bless you this day. And may you know the blessing and the mighty power of His presence each and every day of your life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just a reminder to those of you, if you missed turning in your card, I will be back at the back door. I will take any cards you have. Thank you. <laughs>